So good we could start by praying and drinking. Uh, Tonight, in case everyone doesn't know, I know we have a lot of visitors, we're going to be getting into the Word of God. Uh, We're going to be getting into verses from the Bible that are very, very good news about Jesus Christ. And it might make you do things like this when uh, we get into when we get into the meanings, okay? So the verses we're going to get into, um, we'll, we'll go, first of all, um, we've been going through Leviticus, okay? Um, and why Leviticus, a book written thousands of years ago by Moses? Um, anytime we get in the Bible, when we get Christ and we get God's purpose, that is amazing. Um, in Leviticus, there is so much Christ, so much Christ. And let me, let me just uh, want to draw where we've come to, to get to the, to the book of Leviticus. So God's people, he's brought them out of the world, out of Egypt, okay? He's brought them out of Egypt, and then he gave them instructions to build a tabernacle, um, an edifice, a building where God could speak with man, could meet man, and be with man. Um, but then we come to the book of Leviticus. Once you're there, there's this edifice, and man's just, you're standing around this edifice. What do you do? Uh, and from this, from this tent of meeting, this tabernacle, God speaks this book of Leviticus. And he opens up the main, the main idea, the offerings. Okay? So we have the tabernacle. This is... And we have offerings. We have five main offerings. We have, I'm just going to put the letters, the burnt, the meal, the peace, the sin, and the trespass. These are all pictures of Christ. Um, the burnt, that's, the burnt offering is an offering we have in Christ for what we are not. Uh, Christ is absolute for God, and that's for what we're not. The meal offering is for what we don't do, what we don't live out. A, a, a fine and balanced human living. Uh, the peace offering is something we don't have outside of Christ. And then there's also, it's a little dividing line, for what we are. There's an offering for what we are. <laughs> uh, what are we? Uh, we're sin. Uh, that's what we are. That's what we are. Uh, and what do we do? We sin. We commit sins. Trespasses. So what we are Praise the Lord. This is everything. What we're, what we're not, what we don't do, what we don't have, what we do, and what we are. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is one of those, when, anyway, do we want to speak tonight? We're going to have opportunity to speak. And even if you haven't spoken much before, I hope so many who have never spoken would stand up tonight and speak words from the Word of God, because as we speak them, our experience follows. Uh, the Word of God is amazing. We want to get it into us by prayer, and especially by speaking. So, how do we get into the tabernacle? Um, We have no way in except the offerings. So God, the offerings, and can we just read the title of this this week? Appreciating Christ as the reality of the trespass offering. So through our appreciation of these offerings, we enter into God, okay? Okay. We actually enter, we enter, enter into God, uh, no longer outside of God, but we enter into him, we dwell in him, we live in him for his purpose. Um, let's see. In the book of John, you know, there's, those, there's these two verses. One we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot tonight. John 1.29. 
and John 1.14. John 1.14 says, uh, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That means God became a man and was a building, (laughs) not a building, but he was God who was unfathomable, unapproachable, in many ways unknowable, came and tabernacled among men. Now he's knowable. He's enterable. You can enter into him, apprehend who he is. Um, and then John 1.29, this is, this is uh, the verse we're going to get in tonight a lot. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And all these five offerings are an expansion of this, this one uh, composite Lamb of God. We have a Lamb of God. <laughs> and we praise the Lord. Um, so that's, okay, that's letting everyone know where we are, the offerings. And we're, tonight, we're talking about this last one, trespass offering. That's for, like we talked about, what we do. Anyone ever, anyone committed any trespasses today? Not even a sin, a trespass. It means you just, you went a little too far. You just rolled your eyes. You just <laughs> sighed, murmured. I mean, a trespass is, you know, sin is something more evil and, you know, we sin. We're a sin factory. Sin dwells in us. So that means we're qualified to enjoy Christ as the trespass offering. All right, let's read. Um, so there's, you know, in the Old Testament, sorry, before I keep, before, you know, the Old Testament, we get this vivid picture. That's why we love going to the book of Leviticus. We're getting a vivid picture of Christ. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, and so there's many things we're just seeing. We're like, wow. Crisis, how experiential. But the New Testament is like the captions. You see this huge, and you just, wow, it's, I don't know what I'm feeling. Sometimes, and then you go to the museum, and you're like, oh, it's, it's a, okay, it's, it's a landscape. But you got, we got to read the captions. So tonight, we're going to, all we're going to do is cover four New Testament captions about this trespass offering. That's it, just four. But I want us to get the utterance of these, because these are from the Word of God, and they pertain they have very much to do whether we will be living in God's purpose, enjoying Christ as the offerings. The first caption is number one. Can we read, can we read the t- that, that caption? Takes away the sin of the world. And read John 129b. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So uh, I'm guessing this is not an in- unfamiliar verse. Uh, John 1.29b, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, imagine just right now, you're you're at the Jordan River, John the Baptist is there, behold, behold, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You might be saying, okay, that's what the verse we just read. You just yelled it. this was something never uttered on the, on, this was unimaginable to the Jews and people on the earth. The Lamb of God? The Lamb, what do you mean the Lamb of God? We, we don't, we're Jews, we know the Passover Lamb takes away the sin of the world? Did you know up to this point, no sin had been taken away? There had been how many sins committed on that point, but sins had not been taken away. Not been taken away. Um, you can say the Old Testament blessing regarding sins is, is Isaiah 32, uh, so sorry, Psalm, Psalm 32, when it says, Blessed 
is the man whose sins are covered. You like to have covered sins? It means you've committed many sins. You have a record. You're wearing your record on you, but the Lord's blood covers it, you know, from, from, a, from a lamb, an animal, and they're covered. Or would you like to have your sins taken away? The New Testament blessing, Romans 4, 8, blessed is the man to whom a, whose account is not accounted sin at all. <laughs> You're not accounted sin because you don't have any sin. <laughs> it's been taken away. Amen. Your sin, your sins, every thought, every feeling that was contrary to God, every rebellious moan <laughs> was taken away on the Lamb of God. Amen. It was taken away. Amen. It wasn't just covered. It wasn't just Passover. So they, we've all heard of, you know, we have Jewish friends, the Passover lamb. They, uh, you know, they, they applied the blood and God would pass over their sins. They'd be passed over, but they wouldn't be taken away. Um, let's, uh, you know, why wouldn't they be taken? Why wouldn't God take them? You know, they were, well, Christ hadn't come yet, but the sins had no place to go. Um, you know, God's not reckless. He's not lawless or loose. He's not careless with anything. Matt is an accounting major, right? Everything has a place in accounting. God, in his righteous accounting, has to account for every single sin ever committed. If he, uh, if he said, I love you so much, oh, I, want you to, I just want you to come with me and love me and live with me, I'll, I'll just forget, I'll just wash, I'll forget your sins just because I love you. Do you know what would happen? His throne, which is based on righteousness and justice, would crumble. It would crumble. He can't do anything that violates his righteousness. Nothing. He's actually bound to only do things in righteous ways. He needed a righteous procedure. So, uh, the Old Testament, let's read uh, regarding the Old Testament saints. We're going to do a little, little uh, Bible study, so let's stay with me. On the Lamb. Let's read those next uh, two verses, 1 Peter and Revelation. Who was foreknown before the foundation of the world? The who was slain. The foundation of the world. And then let's read the, Hebrews 9:14. The blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. Okay. These are all talking about the Lamb. The Lamb of God. The lamb that had never been here before. The lamb of God. A new utterance. Okay, the lamb. So before known, before the foundation of the world, that means it wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like, oh, I, didn't, I actually didn't think they would eat it, the fruit. Oh, what are we going to do now? It was, it was foreknown, and Christ was ready, was ready to be the lamb of God. In the council of the Godhead, Christ the, would, be, would be the lamb of God. Um, and then this next verse in Revelation, the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. In God's eyes, from the time of creation, the lamb was slain. So he could view humanity under this, this blanket of, the, you know, the lamb has been slain. And then lastly, this verse, Hebrews 9.14, Christ, he wasn't just a, a martyr. He, wasn't, he didn't just die as a man. Uh, he's the lamb of God. He was God. He was offered in his death on the cross through the eternal spirit. So that means it has eternal efficacy, his blood, spanning eternity past to eternity future. So under this, this umbrella, 
but God, anyway, in Romans, it says, Romans 3, um, in his forbearance, God passed over those sins. He know, Christ hadn't come, but he would just pass over them. They weren't taken away. He would pass over them knowing that Christ would soon come and die. But as New Testament believers, we have the blessing. I'm actually looking at a room, blessed men who, to their account, there is no sin. I wish you could see what I'm seeing. No, on your account, no sin. You know why? Because it was taken away on the cross. They had every single sin, every had to go somewhere. And when Christ was on the cross, God the Father was pleased to put every, every single sin of the entire world on him. Every sin was put on him. And because of that, God saw him as, you're the only sinner who ever lived. And he, he was pleased to crush him. Um, so this is the Lamb of God. Uh, this is, how are we on time? Uh, this is, we're talking about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, yeah, I want us to get that. Takes away the sin of the world. If, if we see this, and even these words get incorporated in our prayer, we will, something will rise in up, up in us in thanks and gratitude to where we will follow the Lamb. You know, there's countless, in, in that in John chapter 1, there's Peter and John. The Lord, behold the Lamb of God. They followed him. They were captured by this one who took away the sins of the world. And uh, it's not that he just took away the sins of the world, but also to be a qualified lamb. He had to meet God's glory, holiness, and righteousness. Otherwise, he would not have been qualified to die. But this Lamb of God met God's glory, holiness, and righteousness and took away the sin of the world. Um, you know, this is, this is our basis as Christians. I hope we'll never have another basis. Um, we'll never have another basis to come to a meeting, to come to the Lord, to pray. It's not like, okay, I've been, I've been good. But it's, Lord, today... You're the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Right now, I apply you. Right Coming to this meeting, I just open to the Lamb of God. Um, you know, eventually the, the overcomers in Revelation 14, you know what they're called? They're called, these are they who followed the Lamb wherever he may go. There's something about this Lamb, and when you get into it, even in, uh, you know, from, from Egypt, it was the Lamb. Passover then, we came out here, and there's the Lamb. It's the Lamb, you know, in the new Jerusalem, new heaven and new earth, who will be on the throne? Worthy is the Lamb. Um, hey, Tim, can you come here? Tim, Tim, fast. Uh, Tim's from Berkeley. Tim, I was, I was just serving with uh, like high, high schoolers several years back. Now Tim's working, but he was a senior in high school, and one of the, the other young persons invited Tim to a meeting. Tim got saved when he was 18 years old. And now he's just, he's a lamb follower. All right. <laughs> he's, he's a, um, but I just want to impress us that we never graduate. Okay. So I just, I, I've known you from the time you got saved. Mm -hmm. The lamb found you, right? Yes. He took away your sins. That's right. And I remember you were baptized. Yeah. Um, okay. So how, how old are you? I am 23. Okay. Say, okay, the Lord doesn't come back. Say 50 years go by. And for those 50 years, you're just 
all up in here, like enjoying the offerings, the church life, dwelling in the tabernacle. And he's just a mature believer. When he opens his mouth, blessing comes out. Uh, this, they, they talk about, in the Song of Songs is where you can see the individual portrait of a Christian believer. You know, even there's, there's this, I love these accounts, there's a mature believer. And then there's a, there's a, there's a time where maybe you hit introspection or something going and you just, and you miss, you lose the Lord and you can't find the Lord in your experience, even as a mature believer. And you know what the Lord comes and does? He comes to the believer and he sticks his hand through the, through the lattice of the door and it's his dripping with myrrh from his death and it's his wounded hand. And inside Tim, he's like, that's right. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Amen. It was the lamb. Hallelujah. It was the lamb. I didn't do anything. It's, I don't graduate from, from meeting the lamb. Mm-hmm. The lamb found you. Amen. You follow the lamb. Uh, all right, thank you. Okay, let, let's, let's go on. So this first one, the lamb of God, is the basis for the, the other three. And there's a little progression in here. I hope we could all get with these verses. That's first John, or John 1. That's number one. Number two, let's all read that. Made purification of sins our side. Okay? Um, This is something on our side. And let's read the verse, Hebrews 1, 3b. Having made purifications of sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. (laughs) Jesus Christ made purification of sins of sins. Purific- in, in his death, he made purification. Not like, I don't know what's pure today. There's 85% juice on the shelves. There's, there's things that kill 99 point this of that, and it prevents 99 point. What is pure? Even to get a metal that's fully pure, there's most likely trace elements. But this purification was completely thorough. Uh, he made purification of sins. I love, uh, actually, let me read this. There's a, there's a little note in uh, Isaiah talking about, the, though your sins be like crimson, I will make them white as snow, white as wool. And let me just read this little note. He not only forgives sins, exempting us from penalty of sins, removing the record of our sins from before him, not just the record. He also washes away the traces of sin in us making us white as snow and white like wool. Both snow and wool are naturally white. Hence, as a result of God's washing, we become not only white, but also naturally white, as if we had never been defiled. That's the type of purification we're talking about that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, our trespass offering from every sin, a purification of sins. And I love this illustration that uh, someone brought up this week. Even, look, at, do you see this, what you used to read here? Can anyone read that? Songs, I think. There was something there. It was erased, but there's smudges. <laughs> do you think when the Lord washes away our sins, smudges remain? There, I, I, it's impossible with this whiteboard. But <laughs> no smudges remain when the Lord washes us and cleanses us. No reminder and God forgets our sins. Because he, anyway, he, he was never content with just passing over. I have to take, as far as the east is from the west, I want your sins to be from you. Because I hate sin and I love you. 
All right, so let's all, he made purifications of sins on our side. Um, I don't know if you guys ever talk to people on the campus, some with other brothers, we go out and just talk to people on the gospel. I don't know if you have this realization when you're talking to people, sometimes they'll just, people, they're like, you, they realize they're gonna, you're gonna talk to them about Jesus, they immediately wanna get away. You know, sometimes this can be because every man has a conscience. The weight of sins on our conscience is so real. Uh, it's, uh, you can't get away from it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You, you have to lie to yourself. Say, okay, God's not real. Sin's not real. That's not sin. This isn't sin. And so you lie to yourself. But then someone's going to come talk to you. and you, Oh, I... Because <laughs> that weight is real. The sins have not been purified. Um, at our Bible reading this week, I was impressed in Acts 24. You know, Felix, he's talking with Paul. Paul starts talking about righteousness and judgment. Felix says, okay, Paul, it's good for you to go now. Because he had sin in him, and he's like, he said he got scared and troubled. The king, the governor. I mean, I don't need to go into scandals and things on TV. I mean, governors and high-placed people, we all have sin. And nothing can wash it away. That, that feeling of sin, that sense of condemnation, is real in every single person on this earth. Nothing can, a nuclear bomb can't wash it away. Judas tried to get rid of it. He, it was just pressing on him so much. He goes, okay, I'll try to deal with it. I know I deserve punishment. I'll kill myself. He went and hung himself. And let me just say this, that does not deal with any problems in our inward being. Suicide, never an answer. But he, he didn't, he tried to appease. The point was he's, he had to appease what was in him because it was just pressing him, pressing him. Um, you know, the lake of fire, Nowhere in the Bible are we told that there's angels guarding it or there's a great big wall. It's likely that men will just, because of the weight of sin on their conscience, they're like, I need punishment. I need it. Otherwise, I'm just, I need to be punished. And they'll just, <laughs> this is real. Having made purification of sins. Amen. Purification. Amen. You can have, this is on our side, you can have a free conscience to what we were doing tonight. Look on the songboard, sing the song, enjoy God. We have the right because of what he's done. All right, so this is our side. Now, let's, we're seeing more what Christ did. Let's read number three. Propitiation for our sins. God's side. Okay, so this is on God's side. Propitiation. Five syllables. It's a, anyway, we might not all know what the word means. Um, propitiation. It means there was a debt, a demand that had to be met. Um, propitiation is when someone comes in to pay that debt to appease so there's no longer anything in between. So paying the debt so that there's propitiation, no longer a conflict where the demand has to be paid, but you can say, oh, there's been propitiation. Okay? And this is, this is really more on God's side. This is so that God can look when we're with him and be like, okay, that's nice that you have no sins. And I mean, you're happy, you're conscious, happy, but what about me when I see you? What do I see? Am I satisfied with you? You know what the God, the Father said when he saw the Lamb of God in John 1? He said, I, in whom I find my delight. So there's one who satisfies God. Um, and this is for God's side. Can we just read? There's three points under here. And there's this Greek word propitiation in different Greek forms in the New Testament. The first one, it's actually that he's the propitiating one, the propitiator. 
doing the act of propitiation. The second one, and we'll, we'll read these verses after this, he's not only the one, he's not only the priest doing the act of propitiation, he's the offering that's being offered for propitiation. What else could satisfy God but Christ? Glory, holiness, righteousness. Nothing outside of Christ. And he's even the propitiation place. We'll get into that. Um, can we read those three verses? Hebrews 2 and 1 John and Romans. Good. First John. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Okay, stop right there. So in Hebrews 2.17, so he's he's even he's been made in all things like us, like his brothers, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest, and underline that in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation. So this is really for God. That God, to make propitiation so when God sees us, he can be, okay, I have no problem with you. Oh, I'm just as, as satisfied as I am with my son, Jesus, I'm satisfied with you. That's, so the act of propitiation. You notice in propiti- um, B, 1 John, he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Uh, the word there, it's also a variant of the Greek word. It can be you could say he himself is the propitiatory sacrifice. So he's the sacrifice that God accepts. And now let's read uh, Romans 3.25, under propitiation place. Whom God set forth as a propitiation place through faith in his blood for the demonstrating of his righteousness and that in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that had previously occurred. Okay, so we need to develop this one a little bit. It makes sense. Okay, he's the high priest. And of course, he's, he's the offering. We probably, if, if we had to guess long enough, I think we would have got that. But what is this? He's the propitiation place. God set him forth as a place, as a propitiation place. We have to go back to Genesis. After man fell, God, to keep man out of, the, out of Eden and away from the tree of life, because he was no longer righteously because of who God is and is being allowed to be, be there, uh, he put a, a cherubim, uh, something like an angel, with a flaming sword. <coughs> Cherubims in the Bible always symbolize God's glory. The sword symbolizes God's righteousness. And the, fi- the flame always represents God's holiness. So by, these are actually, these are God's three main attributes. He's glory, gl- glorious, Holiness, righteousness. That's, he can't contradict what he is, so he had to put this there. Um, so these things were now keeping man from coming to God. Um, uh, his, actually, God's, you could say God's attributes were guarding man from coming to God. So we, we zoom ahead. Man's been called out. Man's been, now there's a tabernacle. In the tabernacle, I mean, here, there's the altar here. But when you get back here, there's something called the Holy of Holies, where God's actual presence is. Only one man, once a year, could go in one time to make sacrifice on the day of expiation, the, the high priest. 
and in here there's, there's an ark. Uh, it's a piece of furniture, golden piece of furniture. This is where God would meet with man. But, so inside this ark, there's, there's a few number, of, few number of items, including God's commandments. If man would just come in here, just go in there uh, at ease, the man would be incinerated by God's holy wrath because, because man did not meet these, th- these items. But with the offerings, so the, the priest would take the blood from the altar and he'd bring it here, and it's so strange. He'd actually pour it on the lid of a piece of furniture. He'd pour blood on furniture on the lid. And so this lid, underneath it is the Ten Commandments, which above it are these two golden cherubim symbolizing God's glory. So underneath it, the reason man was killed was because the righteous demand of God's law, according to his holy nature, was there, which man did not meet. So he had to be killed. And he did not meet the demand of God's glory there. But when the blood was sprinkled on the surface of that ark, it's amazing. Paul, Paul realized, he says, Christ is this place. God set him forth as a propitiation place. So you could come, and now you've, in Christ, you've met God's law, his righteous demand, according to his nature. And you could be in the midst of God's glory. A man could be there on Christ as the propitiation place, meeting with God, eating with God, dwelling with God. The King James Version calls it the mercy seat. You know what you do at the mercy seat? You just, you absorb God. You get fresh mercies. You get, you receive mercy. You find grace. You're just there with God, absorbing God. So there's a propitiation place. That means in this universe, there's a place where you can meet with God. Now he's been set forth. So now now he's not only the, the one offering and he's not only offering, but he's the place. Christ is the propitiation place. And when we're right here, God just sees us in Christ. He says, I have no problem with you. Oh, I'm so satisfied. I approve. I approve. There's no, no sin. Okay? So that's, this is on God's side. We have man's side and then God's side. Now let's, let's go to the fourth one. Brings us to God. Can we read that and then just read the verse? Brings us to God. Amen. That you, he might bring you to God. <laughs> so he's taken away sin. He's taken care of, purified the sins within us so that we have no condemnation. He's appeased God who, with his righteous demand so God's satisfied. And now what is he able to do? Bring us to God for God's purpose. We can, today, I have to, I have to say, I just, I did that today. I was brought to God. I, I went through this, this little, this journey with the Lord, and I was just in God's presence. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't about, Lord, like, what am I going to share? How am I going to open tonight when I speak? It was just like, Lord, nothing else right now matters but absorbing you. I'm just here to absorb you. You are so lovely. That's it. And that's, that's what, what we do in here for God's purpose. Anyway, Christ, he suffered once for sins. That means no other suffering was needed. And the righteous on behalf of the unrighteous. This is Christ, 
the righteous. It means every thought, every feeling he ever had was righteous. God, God could approve it. And say, that, would, that was righteous. You're, you got angry. That was righteous. I approve it. Uh, Tim, you were saved when you were 18, right? You went 18 years without ever having a righteous thought. <laughs> I'm serious. Your first righteous thought was, I mean, all of us. <laughs> He's 18, Elijah brings him to a young people's meeting. Wow, Jesus is kind of interesting. Jesus is kind of cool. He's kind of good. I like Jesus now. Jesus died for me? You had a righteous thought. <laughs> Anyway, the, the righteous on behalf of the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. So he's taken away the sins of the world. He's made purification of sins on our side. He's made propitiation of sins on God's side to bring us to God for God's purpose. So um, can we take a few minutes? So there's these four points, and every heading is from the verse. If you could get the verse with the verse reference and just take some time speaking these things, I don't, especially these, these, these verses about Christ's redemption, we get them in us so they're interwoven in our prayer, in our, what if we came to the meeting just with the, these words rising up in us? So let's just uh, practice speaking them, and then maybe we could have some, um, actually after that we can just have time for sharing. And it would be great, maybe some who've never spoken, you could, if, even if you need some help, speak these things. Just practice speaking. Speaking the word of God regarding Christ as our trespass offering. So why don't we just take a few uh, minutes with our neighbors and get into the four, uh, not Roman numerals, just the four numbers, the four items, and see the progression, okay? Okay.